0: I don't know if you've noticed, you probably have, but our culture is fascinated with the idea and the concept and the reality of kingdoms. Kingdoms. I mean, more than just history, I mean, that's obvious, and literature. I'm talking about just in our day to day lives, like uh, fairy tales. Where would fairy tales be without a kingdom? There's so many of our fairy tales, that's What it surrounds. And movies. Some of your favorite movies. Some of my favorite movies. The context and the setting. The kingdom long ago. Maybe some of your favorite uh, TV shows to binge watch. It's all about kingdoms. And maybe you have found yourself just getting sucked into this world of days gone by. We're fascinated with kings and knights. And battles and fair maidens to be won. And jousting and Vikings and pirates and dungeons and dragons. There's always a dragon, right? Kingdoms. One of the things about kingdoms that's most fascinating to me is castles. I love love castles. The old, old castles. We don't have a lot in North America. I know there are a few here and there. Mostly you have to go to Europe. I've had the opportunity to see one of the oldest castles uh, that's still standing in uh, Europe. My wife and I, three years ago, my wife Donna and I, had the opportunity to be in the UK in Scotland. While we were learning about the church planting uh, efforts there in this very post-Christian society, we actually had some meetings with some local pastors and uh, in the area at some old castles that had been restored and they're they're now conference centers and things like that. But I have a picture of one. In downtown Edinburgh, I took this picture. You can see my mad picture-taking skills. Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Castle. This sucker was built in the 12th century. That's the 1100s, gang. Right? I mean, in, in North America, around here, we, we're, we have some old stuff. But most of our old stuff goes back to, at best, like colonial times, pre-colonial times, 1700s. And that's old, right? And that's pretty cool. And I love that stuff. But we're talking, this is ancient, old, like, oh my goodness, I can hardly believe it's still standing old. I have another picture. This is my favorite picture. From the other side. And I took this picture right before we left to go to the airport and come home uh, while I was getting a cup of coffee at a Starbucks. This is the view from Starbucks on Princess Street in downtown Edinburgh. How about that, right? Right. I don't care what you put in the cup. I'm just going to sit here and look at that. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm fascinated by that kind of stuff. I, I, be, I bet you are as well. It's just something that draws us in. And then, then we come to a context like this, a church setting. Or we hear uh, Christians in a conversation. And we hear this come up. We hear the concept of the kingdom of God come up. And we're like, wait a second, like, like castles, and like, like king, and knights, Round table, square table, what shape is the table? Not quite, okay, what what do I do with this? This is kind of odd, it's peculiar. Kingdom of God, not quite sure what to do with that because let's be honest, we don't live in a land of kings and emperors and knights and jousting and and fair maidens and dungeons and dragons. It, It is for us, kingdoms is for us, mostly about history and fairy tales. And yet, You come to church and you hear us talk of and sing about a king, Jesus, and a throne, and subjects, and a mission, a code of ethics, a way of life in this kingdom. And in this kingdom we talk about in church, there is a sworn enemy, We call him Satan, and there is certainly a battle between good and evil. So we have all the makings, all of the characteristics of a classic kingdom when we talk about the kingdom of God, and yet we have a difficult time piecing it together because it's just not something that is very familiar with us in our modern-day culture and context. That's one of the reasons why we're doing this series. Is to bring new life and a vocabulary to this concept, this idea of the kingdom of God. Now you might be thinking, why? Why do we do this? Why? Why do we talk about the kingdom of God? Of all the things to talk about, because man, listen, I got some issues going on in my life. I got some problems. I got bills I'm trying to pay. I got kids I'm trying to raise. Um, I've got issues at home, issues at work. Why? What does this matter to me? Here's the deal. I'm going to ask you to hang with us. Maybe not at first, but in the next little while, before we're done with this series, I believe that you'll begin to see the importance of understanding what the kingdom of God is all about and how it impacts your life. I mean, it really is a big deal, and we're in the kingdom of God, and yet I'm, I'm with you. What does that mean, and what does that look like, and how does it matter? It's a pretty big deal. Did you know, in the, in the Bible, the phrase kingdom of God occurs like over 65 times. That's a lot. That's a lot for a topic to come up. Uh, the phrase kingdom of heaven, which is used synonymous with kingdom of God. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Those are not two different things. It's one thing and the same. It's used, the kingdom of heaven is used over 32 times. And did you know? that Jesus taught on the subject of the kingdom of God more than anything else. You say, well, that's interesting. We should make a Netflix show. <laughs> I mean, that's fascinating. What's I got? Why should I care? Because here's the deal. My gut feeling tells me that you're here because you're at least remotely interested in knowing what it means to follow Jesus. You're at least interested, if not passionate about it. You're at least interested or you lost a bet and you're just trying to pay your dues and you go to church. Fine, I'll go to church with you. And, and this will be, you know. But most of you are at least interested. So, if you're at least interested in learning what it means to know and follow Jesus, King Jesus, by the way, then doesn't it make sense that we would pay close attention to whatever topic or subject the King Jesus talked about more than anything else? And it was the kingdom of God. So, it's immensely important. Here's a snapshot. Matthew writes that Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. So whatever the kingdom of God is about, it's a good thing. It's, It's good news. And it's not just good news then, it's good news now for you and me today. So what is the kingdom of God? Probably the best description that I've ever come across is this one right here. The kingdom of God is the living, breathing presence, purpose, and reign of God. Now, at first, you're like, say, what? Okay, just just let it sink in. Okay, just settle on this a little bit. The kingdom of God is the living and breathing. It's not archaic. It's not something in the past. It's not dead and gone. It's not just ancient history. It is now living, breathing presence. And purpose, that word purpose is huge. We'll come back to that. That's where you and I come in. Presence, purpose, and reign, control, authority, dominion of God. Wherever that is, and everywhere that is, no boundaries, no borders. The kingdom of God is not like a line, and you walk up to it and say, now we're entering the kingdom of God. No, there's no borders, no boundaries. A kingdom, essentially, is any sphere or reality over which someone has authority or control. A kingdom is any sphere or reality over which someone has authority or control. And you know what this is like. Even if you don't know that definition, you know what this is like. Let's say, um, okay, think of this. Your man cave. Hey, fellas, you have a man cave? Okay, you have a man corner? Yeah, some guys have a man corner right, it's a man cave, or space in your house or, you know, on your property or in your world, that this is mine, this is my space, and my wife lets me do whatever I want, and and she doesn't mess with this, and this is just mine. It's your kingdom. It's your kingdom. And it, for you, it just might be your easy chair,
1: <laughs> right?
0: It's the only thing that doesn't match, that doesn't matter, you know, just that's yours, and you kick back in that, you know, it's just my, your spot. Maybe you have a man cave, corner, closet, I don't know. That's kind of your kingdom. Or maybe it's your garage. For a lot of people, it's their garage. Like, I'm going to the garage. What's in the garage? I don't know. I'm just going. What are you doing there? Anyway, I just it's in my kingdom. Now for me, it's my truck. I don't have a fancy truck, but I love my truck. My truck is my kingdom. I, I take, it's very serious to me, all right? And, and I've had my truck for a while. And I, I plan to have it for a lot longer because it's my kingdom, and I, and I like it the way it is. And my goal, and I understand this needs to be medicated. We'll talk about that later. But my goal is to be able to live off the grid out of my truck for about 7 to 10 days. And I've never had to, and I probably, hopefully, never will. But if I needed to, I could. If, if I'm in my truck and someone comes up to me and says, hey, do you have, I don't care what they say next, and I don't have it in my truck, I feel less than. I'm insulted. I feel convicted. Because That's my kingdom, right? Okay, and, and again, that's issues. But that's what a kingdom is. A kingdom is any sphere or reality over which you have dominion or control. Now, question, question, listen. Can you even conceive in reality of any space or place or realm or reality where God does not have ultimate authority or control. Ultimately, the final say, no. This is how big we're talking about here. Kingdom of God, the living, breathing, presence and purpose and reign of God. King David he kind of describes it like this. Yes, yours, O oh Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours. Everything. Everything. Which means everything I call mine, even my truck, even my kingdom belongs to God. Right? This is how big God's kingdom is. This is how great his authority and control is. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O oh Lord, and this is your kingdom. And we adore you. We praise you. We honor you as the one who is over all things. Get that. Imagine what it would be like to be over all things. You and I can hardly contain what that would be like. That's God. God is over all things. King Jesus is over all things. You know what that leaves out? No thing. Nothing. Nothing. He is over all things. Later in the Psalms, David writes, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, which means it doesn't end. And your dominion, your rule, your control, your reign endures through all generations. There never has been a generation where God was not king and there never will be a generation where God is not king, where King Jesus is not reigning superior over all. We're talking about the kingdom of God. It's this big. It's this huge. Now, at at this point, if you're like, man, I got a lot of questions. Me too. Me too. So what we want to do over the next few minutes is just kind of tiptoe into this water. And then next week, we're going to go a little bit deeper. And the next couple of weeks, hopefully, it'll become a little bit clearer as we begin to interact with this concept that Jesus talked about more than anything else So he must believe that it's very important for us to understand the kingdom of God. So let's jump in. Let's start with this. The kingdom of God is something that is here now, but not yet fully. How's that for clarity? Understand? No. Got it. It's here now, but not yet fully. It's here, but it's not. Uh, So it's here, but it is, but not all the way yet. It's yes, not yet, kind of, yes, definitely Maybe. Eventually. All those things. The kingdom of God is here now, but not yet fully. It makes me think of the candy now and later. Right? I love now and laters. I'm not a big candy guy. i sure much rather have fruit. It's just my taste, you know, and everything. But when I do eat candy, I really like now and laters. And, and only the green ones. Only the apple. Sour apple. You can keep the rest of it. I just want that. And I feel the same way about Jolly Ranchers. Not that you care. But now and laters... I, I, interesting. I don't, know, I don't know why they're called now and laters, but this is what it makes me think of. Now and laters are, are I don't know, you can chew it up now, it's kind of chewy, kind of a taffy like, or you can kind of hold it in your mouth and it kind of lasts for a while, till later. Right? You just suck on, it for, suck on it for a while kind of thing. Or maybe they call it now and laters because you can eat it now or you can leave it in your truck for ten years and come back to it <laughs> and it's not decomposed, it's still there in its same state. <laughs> later. I don't, I don't know. Now and Later. Here's why that makes me think of the kingdom of God because there's a component of the kingdom of God that is here now and there's a component of the kingdom of God that's coming later. That's fascinating and it's so important to differentiate those two because in churches and among Christians and in Christianity, more times than not, when people think about the kingdom of God or talk about the kingdom of God, they're thinking only later or mostly later and specifically heaven. Now in this series, especially on week four, we're going to talk about heaven. We're going to talk about heaven. And I'm just going to let you know in a way that maybe you've never considered heaven before, but we're going to take, we're going to take Jesus's take on heaven, but that's coming later. And so that's definitely a part of it. Whatever heaven is, that's definitely a part of it. Whatever heaven is like, that certainly is included But it's not just a later thing. The kingdom of God, whatever it is, whatever it's like, is a here and now thing. Not yet fully. That's heaven. It's coming later. But now, here, today. In fact, I would go so far as to say that the kingdom of God is mostly for us right now, here and now. Why? Because we ain't dead yet. We're not there yet. We're not later yet. We're here and now. So it's first and foremost here and now. I know, right? Like, wow, this really messes with the theology that I was given as a kid. Right? And one day I will be in the kingdom of God, in heaven when I die, in the sweet bye-bye, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there, way out there somewhere. No, 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 no. It includes that, but here now, here now. Here's an example. When Jesus was on earth, his disciples came to him and said, Hey, um, could you teach us how to pray? Could you teach us how to pray? That's a great, great question and great person to go to, right? I mean, you've been hearing prayers for a few millennia now, and so you've heard a lot of them. Can you tell us a good one? Show us how to do this kind of thing, Jesus. Oh, yes, I'll teach you how to pray. And remember, uh, this is a very famous prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer, not because it's a prayer that Jesus prayed, but it's because it comes from the Lord to us teaching us how to pray. And, and even if you're not very familiar with church, you're probably familiar with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then check this next part out. Your kingdom come. There it is. In the Lord's prayer, your will be done. And check this part out. On earth, on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is not just something way out there in the clouds or something in the future when I'm dead and gone and... No, 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 no. We're told to pray. And if we're told to pray this way, then this is something he wants us to pursue and actually live. We're told to pray and live on earth, here and now, because that's I'm on earth here and now. I don't know about you guys, but we're here now, here and now, as it is in heaven. So, so whatever this is about, it's not just later. It's here now, even though not yet fully. And the whole thing of of the the good news of Jesus Christ and what Jesus did when he gave his life for us on the cross and, and forgave our sins and all of that wonderful stuff we talk about, a huge component of that is allowing us here and now to begin to experience the reality of his kingdom here and now, not just one day later. And no one taught me that. I grew up in church and I was always taught Jesus died for your sins so that when you die, when you're dead, you go to heaven. Well, that's good news. That's a better place to be, whatever that is. No one told me that it would affect things now. But see, if God's whole point was just to get me to heaven when I became a Christian, then as soon as I did, he could have killed me and got me there real quick. I mean, if that was the whole point, right? And think about that. The whole point... Of, of following Jesus was just to get you to heaven. What well, We can just cut out all this stuff called a human life kind of thing and just done. But he left us here. Why? Because he wants us to experience his kingdom here and now, even though not yet fully. We'll get there. But one day he is going to return to earth and it will fully become a reality. Right now, we can experience it, although not yet fully. Now, if you're going, I don't get it, I don't get it, just hang with me, hang with me. I I, I know, I know. We're stretching. I know the last series. Can we go back to the last series? I understand the fool thing. I got that. Okay, me too, right? But we're going to stretch ourselves a little bit. Secondly, kingdom of God is something that's described more than defined. Now, we can attempt to define it, but it's better to describe it. This is what Jesus did. This is how Jesus treated it. You can't really like put it in a test tube and study it. There's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. We've got it. It's like a product. We Here it is. It's all right here in this little container. No, no, it's it's described. It's spiritual and it's physical. It's emotional and it's relational and it's real. The kingdom of God is something that you can see and hear and, and even experience and, and you can feel it. Oh, man. The kingdom of God is is something that uh, has characteristics, and and yet yet no boundaries. Um, It's personal, (laughs) yet it has no limits. So it includes you, but it ain't just about you. And when Jesus described the kingdom of God, when he taught on the kingdom of God, he didn't give people definitions. He gave them analogies, and he described it, and he used the word like a lot. The kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. And people would listen, and a lot of times they would hear it and go, Oh. And a lot of times they listened and they went, What? Yeah. It so said the kingdom of God is like a pearl, a very expensive pearl. It's like a treasure, it has great value. People are like, Okay, okay. One day he said, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which is the tiniest of all seeds. Now, that, that's significant because you and I don't, you know, we don't plant mustards. See, you know, we, we, we go buy that stuff. We don't plant that. We don't know much about a mustard seed. Mustard seed's real tiny. When you plant it, Jesus said, it grows into this massive tree where the birds come and find Refuge. He said, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is like that. It's so tiny. It's so tiny. You don't even notice it. You don't even notice it at first, but you give it time. You give it time. And it gets big. One of my favorite analogies is when Jesus was teaching and he said, the kingdom of God is like yeast. Now, I'm not a baker, but I know enough about yeast because I know biscuits. And I know sourdough, and I know yeast rolls, I know bread, I know carbs, right? Me and carbs have a very special relationship. So I understand yeast. You don't have to know much about cooking to understand yeast. But in case you need a refresher, yeast is what makes dough rise. Right? You can do stuff with it. It, has, it only takes a little bit. It only takes a little bit of yeast. And here's the thing with yeast. When you introduce yeast into dough, what you have to do then is just give it time and let it work. And Jesus said the kingdom of God is like yeast. You give it time. You let it work. And before you know it, it will permeate every part of that lump of dough. And now you can do something with it. You can make something out of it. Biscuits, baby. Yeah, right. He said the kingdom, of it's something you describe. It's not just something you define. Number three, the kingdom of God is about purpose more than it is a place. And we've touched on this a little bit. It's not just about heaven one day, way out there. It's more about a purpose here and now that will become a full reality one day in the future. It's more about a purpose. This is huge. This is where ancient Israel missed it. And we'll talk a little bit about this next week. This is where they missed it because they knew kings and kingdoms, but they thought about land and territory when they thought about kings and kingdoms. And so when Jesus comes on the scene and people start talking about him being king of kings and and he's talking about a kingdom, they're going, well, well, great. Well, where's your territory? Where's our territory? I mean, we're going to start drawing some boundaries. We're going to start kicking butt and taking names and saying, you're in and you're out, you're in, you're out. You're playing by the rules. You're not playing by the rules. We're overtaking you, and we're, you're against us, and we're against you. That kind of kingdom kind of thing. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. No, it's a different kind of kingdom. It's a different kind of kingdom. So they missed it. They didn't get it. They didn't understand that it was about a purpose that we live for more than a place we go to. Now, there is, heaven is real. We'll talk about what heaven is. So don't, don't, don't freak out on me. But it's more about a purpose. Jesus said it like this. He said, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You, you won't be able to say, oh, here it is. Here it is. There's the boundary right here. We, we got it all marked out. Or, or it's over there. It's over there across the street. It's where it begins. On the other side of the tracks. Or no, in, in that no realm. For the kingdom of God, this is huge, is already among you. What? Already among you. In the original languages, the Greek that this was originally written in, that phrase, already among you, means in your midst. Or another way to interpret it is in you. It's already in you. It's already here. It's already happening. It's already at work. And you're looking around and I'm going, I don't see it. I don't get it exactly. So the goal is is to help us get it. The goal is to help us see it, and that's what Jesus was trying to do is to help people see what they were not seeing and understand the purpose that they weren't understanding. That's why, when Jesus was teaching, he said things like, "You are the light of the world. The purpose of your life is to be the light of the world. If you're going to be a part of my kingdom, then you're to light up the kingdom of darkness in this world with light." What light? The way of Jesus? We'll talk about that. Did you have a purpose? Whether you're in construction or mechanics or education or medical or insurance or your stay-at-home parent, I don't care what your job is or your career or what you're in, you are the light of the world. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a participant through Jesus in the kingdom of God, and you are to be a light, a light to illuminate the darkness of this world. And he wants you to go into all the world. And he means you and me, not just Peter, James, and John. And he says, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. Not just them in the first century. You and me, us. It's a purpose. It's a purpose that we live for. At this point, if you're going, I still have so many questions, then we're right on track. We're right on track. Because so did Jesus' audience in the first century when he taught these things. Which brings us to the last description. Of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, ultimately, with all of your questions, you bring all of your questions and understand that the kingdom of God is something that's going to be revealed to us more than just something we accomplish. Now, obviously, there's work to do. The church has work to do. Followers of Jesus have work to do. God God has given us a task, but the task really is about revealing the kingdom of God understanding what the kingdom of God is all about in our lives and in the world around us. It's about about seeing the presence of the kingdom of God in our lives and hearing the presence of the kingdom of God and understanding it and uncovering it, the presence of the kingdom of God at work. Because here's the deal. God is always at work. Always at work. When you can't see it, feel it, when you don't know it, When you can't imagine how, he is still always at work. Maybe you got a situation in your life right now where you don't see God, you can't feel God, you can't sense God. And the reason you're here at church is you're hoping somebody can point out to you what is God up to in this ridiculous situation in your life right now. Aha! You need to know that even then, he is always at work. Doing what? I don't always know but he is always at work. Getting to the point where we see that and we hear that and we understand that. Knowing that the kingdom of God is here among us in our midst and God's always doing something. It's like like putting on a different set of lenses, right? That, That all of a sudden bring things into perspective and clarity for the first time ever. And you're like, wow, I never saw that. I never saw that before. I never understood that before. A different set of lenses that when you begin to understand how the kingdom of God at work in your life becomes, it it, it changes the way you see the world. It'll change the way you listen to the news. Mm -hmm. And you'll hear the news regardless of what channel you like to watch. I don't like to watch any of them. But it'll change the way you hear the news. And now you just won't hear it from a political bent. You'll go, oh, there's something bigger going on here. Not a, not a doomsday kind of thing. Not that everything is, Jesus is coming, run for the hills. That kind of no, no, not that kind of thing. But you'll understand wait, 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 wait. There's a bigger, there's a bigger picture. The kingdom of God is all about seeing and hearing and experiencing and understanding the bigger picture that God is about than just what we see and hear in the news. It'll change the way you see people. Especially when we get to next week and we talk about the whole attitude of the kingdom of God, it'll change the way you see people you don't like, you don't vote like, you don't live like, you don't even like. It'll change the way you see your problems. Say, what's the kingdom of God got to do with my life? A lot. When you begin to understand the kingdom of God and what God is up to in this world, it'll change the way you see your own pain and your own problems and your own issues, much less other people's. It, it just changes everything. And, and once you begin to see, you can't unsee. It's like this. Have you ever seen these YouTube videos of these babies that can't see, or are functionally blind, and they have special glasses that are fitted for them, and they put the glasses on the baby, and for the first time, these, these small children, I, I mean younger than like two little bitty babies and toddlers, for the first time, they're seeing their mommy, their daddy, the world around them, for the first time, they're seeing it. Have you seen those? Uh, there's, a, there's a whole other set of videos that, that are about um, little babies who, who've never been able to audibly make out um, the, the voice of their mom or their dad. They can see. They can see, but they don't have the ability to hear. And, and then there's all the special technology and stuff. They're able to help babies hear for the first time and their reaction to hearing what they've never heard or seeing what they've never seen. Go go look this up. I mean, to, to this afternoon... Before you take a nap, after lunch, you two, babies seeing for the first time or babies hearing for the first time, and then grab some tissue and watch. It's fascinating. Glasses go on. And then at first, it's disorienting. You can see it. It's almost painful to watch at first. It's just like, what, what, what is this? What is this? And then all of a sudden, things begin to come into focus. And the eyes get real big, and the tears start flowing. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh. Or for the first time, they begin to hear their name. Mommy loves you. Daddy loves you. And then, oh, they're hearing what they've never heard before. That was, get this, it was around them the whole time. It was there at work all the time. These things that they're seeing for the first time were there around them the whole time. They're just now able to see it. They're just now able to hear it. Listen, that is my prayer for you as your pastor. As we talk about the kingdom of God, that you will begin to see what you have never seen and hear what you have never heard and feel and experience what you have never done that's been around you at work all along like yeast, It's just working its way through your life and my life and our lives. And it's going to be hopefully like, wow, how did I miss this? I'll never be the same. Once you see, you can't unsee. Once you hear, you cannot unhear. Once you experience the kingdom of God, you will never be the same. Not fully yet but here now, definitely. It seems more of a description. It's, uh, it's more about a purpose. It's more about something that is revealed. And, and if you're sitting there going, man, this sounds really mystical. You know why? Because it is. And if that makes you feel uncomfortable, let me remind you that the foundation of our faith is that a dead guy came back from the dead. Get comfortable. With the mystical realities of who God is. I leave you with this. A pastor in the Seattle area wrote a book. His name is Rick McKinley. He wrote a book called This Beautiful Mess about the reality of the kingdom of God. It's a great book, by the way. And and this piece is from this book. What if you lived in an actual kingdom? a place and time under the dominion of a sovereign Lord who did rule from horizon to horizon. Whether you bowed to him or not, whether you knew he existed or not, it could happen. And in fact, I think, he said, I think it already did. Indeed, it already has. And continues. Let's pray. Our Father... We have questions. We have more questions now than we have answers. And so we find ourselves in a very familiar place that your audience in the first century found themselves. We hear you talk about the kingdom as a reality, and yet there's so many things we have yet to learn and know and experience. So, Father, I ask that you would open our eyes to see what we've never seen and hear what we've never heard and feel and experience what we've never felt and experienced so that we see the world as you want us to see it through the lens of the kingdom and we see other people and we see ourselves with all the good things and the pain and the bad things and the problems, and that we see our past and our present and our future, that we see it all through the lens of the work of your kingdom, here now, even though not yet fully. And we look forward to the fully. We look forward to that day. But until then, may we discover our place. And may you reveal to us what is being revealed around us. The living, breathing, presence, purpose, and reign of King Jesus. I ask that for myself and all of my friends here.